We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Right, just while everyone's going, you may think that I've been painting. Um, the PA team said to me there's this new thing called a shower. I said I should wash beforehand. It's not, it's not, I've not been painting, I've been using a lot of Tipex on, uh, on this talk, so it's going to change several times. So just so you don't get distracted by my nail varnish and stuff like that. Cool. How are we all doing? Let's see if I can... Oh... Oh, there we go. I'm just going to put that sneakily up. Uh, there's going to be a couple of things going on over Easter. We're going to get more announcements out. This is for Fusion particularly. So we're going to send it out through the Fusion chat, but I was just past that slide. Lots of different bits and bods going on. Um, and uh, we'll tell you more about those things. But let's just give you a little bit of a taster while we warm down. Um, some of you have been praying for Mark McGrath. Good news, I uh, heard this morning that they've, they've removed the tube, he's, he's breathing and talking, a little disorientated from that much of, 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 he's been kind of sedated for quite a long time, so he's bringing quite a lot of interesting prophetic words. So, <laughs> so some of them were aimed at me, so we're going to filter those, um, but uh, it's really good. Um, for those of you who know, Mark's a dear brother in, um, in America, and uh, he had a seizure um, uh, during the week and it's taken quite a long time to come round so keep praying if you want to pray against infection he's not had the best of health and he's supposed to be visiting us at some point so we want him to be fully a thing so don't don't give up on praying now right good 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 if you've got your bible with you or alternatively turn in your phone I want to give you a number of bible verses right off from the start here cause I'm going to, I'm not sure if I'm going to refer to them, but I want to give them to you as context. When James Ratnaraja comes, oh, he's back there. You see, I'm resting my bottle on your iPad. How do you you feel about that? In my office, uh, I work with Jeremy Simmons, and we call doing a Jeremy throwing your water over your keyboard. So that's become his thing. So, doing a Heather, Heather's gone out, doing Heather's where you end the Zoom meeting where people are supposed to still be on the Zoom meeting. Heather left our organisation two years ago, we still call it doing a Heather, if you end the Zoom meeting with her still on it. Right, here's those Bible verses. First of all, Matthew 28, let's whip to that. I want to give you these because these are in the context to my thinking and some of the things we're going to go through today. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Right? I want to point out what it does say. It says, make disciples. It doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples. Right? Really important. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's good that he's with us, isn't it? Just as we've been hearing things during the meeting today, I just reinforce that thing that if you're here and you've made Jesus Lord and you're filled with his Holy Spirit, you can, do, you can minister in every way. 
Yeah, we're going to come back again and again to that. But as a team was standing up and we were praying for them, I have every expectation that anything that comes their way, they'll be able to deal with, as you and I can, not because we're special, but because of what God has done for us and what he's put in us, yeah? And that's one of those truths that can be lingering around in our head. We know it, but we don't necessarily experience or expect it. Uh, but there's certainly something when you go away on a team and you become focused. And, and quite frankly, when someone stands in front of you and, they, and, and you need to minister, suddenly it comes, comes, to, comes to a point. I remember one team I was on, and uh, it was a time that the Holy Spirit was really moving strongly. And, and I was with three other people, and they were particularly sensitive to the things of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? There are some people amongst us that are like that. Yeah? There's someone, a friend of mine, just starts to laugh. His children absolutely love it. Laugh and laugh and laugh. Right? So I was with three other people, and, they, and, and the Spirit started moving, and they just were out of it. And I had a queue of 200 people to pray for. And all kinds of, and I didn't know what to do, but God, God was there with me. And I realized it's not about me, it's about just being a channel. I want to be a channel for him. So that's really important that Jesus is with us in all things. Let's flip over to Ephesians 4. That kind of reinforces a bit of what we're just saying. Boom, 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 boom. I'm trying to use my tags here. Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Right? 12, verse 12 there. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. I want you to say that. Equipping the saints. Equipping the saints. Right? He didn't give that some would be apostles so they were apostles. He gave that some would be apostles for the... We'll, we'll work on that. Equipment of saints is good. Right. It, it's not the end. It's part of the thing. Right? Which in my thinking means this. If you have an evangelist, someone's gifted with evangelism within your church, you, we might expect them to be always evangelizing. Yeah? We got a little bit of that from Fatima there. But Fatima wasn't saying that it's just her that's going to do it. She was fairly clear. Yes, the rest of us are going to do it. When Fatima stands up to speak and you're speaking, you wonder if you'll ever get on. But there you go. But, but she's not there just to share and to evangelize. She's there to equip us to do it as well. Yeah? yeah you see, you thought you could get a bit of a rest. Yeah? A prophet's not there just to prophesy, but to release prophecy amongst the people. Okay? For the equipping of saints. Uh, growing into maturity with a stature measured in God's uh, Christ's fullness. Dun, 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 dun. And it talks about no longer being little children. So there's a thing about maturity that's really important. Right, first, uh, Col Colossians 1, sorry, not first Colossians, Colossians 1, verse 27. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. Here's the good bit which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say that second part with me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's something to ponder. Christ in you, 
in me, in you, the hope of glory. The fact there is a deposit in us of Christ, a deposit for us, for our hope, but for the hope of our world. I think God chooses to work through us. Yeah, he can do stuff. He can, he can miraculously come and meet with people. But I think more often he uses us because the hope of Christ is in us. Yeah, hope of glory. Sorry, mixing my words up. Those are really important things. First uh, Corinthians 1 verse 21. Do, 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 do. Well, let's, let's back up a bit. Let's go for verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greek seeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. That verse kind of encompasses some of the wrestling that I think we have to be faced with all the time. It's really easy to fall into justifying our lives, our choices, the things we do from a worldly perspective. But it's, it's kind of like, ugh. it's kind of like, I know, speaking French when what you need to do is perform a scientific uh, formula. It's like completely different. So you say the answer is bonjour, and they say the answer is H2O. It's that different. So, so much of the time, because we're in the world, is we can start to take on the philosophies of the world, the way of thinking of the world, and we realize that what God's given us is a complete new way of thinking, a complete new way of being. A lot of the time, the worldly way of thinking, sometimes for some of you, some of you, you know, you're, you're good, Enlightenment people, you're all about rational. But most of you aren't. Most of us are really led by our feelings and what we, you know, what we feel. But yet God's way is neither of those things. It's a different thing altogether. And that's quite powerful and quite different. So those are a couple of thoughts I wanted to have in the back of your mind as we go through some things today. So we're going to go a pace. I've got this book, Love, Acceptance, Forgiveness. It's an old copy. Look at that. I was rereading it a bit, um, and I realized some of the issues about um, identity and mental health and all the stuff we're faced with is he's covering in this book. And that book was published in 1978. It's really interesting. There's nothing new under the sun. It's repackaged in different ways. The only thing he talks about there is hippies. We don't have many hippies. Well, maybe we have some hippies. Um, so we'll touch on hippies a little bit later, but it's really important. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, John talked about this book, Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness by Jerry Cook, and how it's an important formula, form, kind of formuling, formuling thing? Formuling thing. Formational thing. We'll go for formation, right? Formational thing for him, how it really shaped him. I dare you to read it 
It's a thin book. Each chapter is probably about 10 minutes worth. Some of you might put it in a certain room and you might get through it quite quickly, but that's up to you, right? If you read this book, I bet you you could predict some of the sermons that come out from here because it's been that important and you could know the answers. You could look really clever. See, no one's excited about that. A hard crowd, hard crowd today. Okay, so I would say that's been pretty uh, formational for me as well. I'm going to struggle with that word all day. Um, But I also find that as I'm thinking about things, the songs of Keith Green come back to me. The problem with the songs of Keith Green is they're early 80s and they're they're not hip, are they? They don't quite work. But... I just want to warn you that every now and again there'll be a phrase that might come out and it'll be from a Keith Green song and we'll see what we do there. So one of the things in the book Jerry, talk, Jerry talks about is, um, is needing to have... I feel hemmed in here. Can I move that microphone away from me? Good. Um, he talks about needing to have a guiding philosophy for life. Now he's mainly writing to church leaders but actually I think it applies to us all. And what he says is that um, if you don't have a guiding principle, I would call it a plumb line. If you don't have a plumb line to kind of measure things against, let's have a look at a plumb line. I think I've got one here. If we go around, oh, no, I need to go backwards. Here we go. Oh, there's a go. There we are. If you don't have a plumb line, you might end up with a filter. I do like that. Those glasses, a bit like a filter. Can't really see what's going on. And you have a way of looking at things. And that's really important. If you don't have a guiding philosophy or or plumb line, you find you can be lurched from crisis to crisis, from impulse to impulse. You know what? Sometimes I Google particular words as I'm speaking, and I spent quite a lot of time looking at the adverts. Men can't help acting on impulse. You guys remember that one? It just has these ladies walking along and suddenly a man jumps out of nowhere with a bunch of flowers and smacks her in the face with them. Men can't help working on Look it up. It's fun. Men can't help working on impulse. Um, but we can, we can be urged. We can have an impulse that makes us do stuff. We have a way... This is the way I react. This is, this is what life does. This is what I do. In fact, um, at times, um, the church can be like that. In fact, even more than the church. Look at government. I work with government and government gets yanked around by the media all the time. Some things, some whole commissions and stuff are just because the media ramps things up and government then goes and spends a lot of time and effort on different things. Some, sometimes they're important things, I won't deny that. But, but if you look at the stuff in the news, I can, I can sometimes find a department I work with that they, they completely pause all the work I'm doing with them because they're completely focused on dealing with a particular issue and that kind of thing. Cool, good, right. Crisis to crisis, impulse to impulse, emotion to emotion. Um, some of you have read that book, Loving Your Kids on Purpose, right? It's a great title. And some of you parents know, yeah, you really have to love your kids on purpose, don't you? You have to make a decision. I can see some of my kids, and I'm just fixing them their eye because they're not paying a blind bit of attention to me. And at any moment now, the people next to Oh, there you go. Right. To choose to love your kids on purpose. <laughs> it's, it's, love is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. You get some feelings with it, but it's a choice. Loving your kids on purpose. Right, any drama students here other than me? David Simmons, obviously. Is Laura here? 
Oh, good drama students there. Laura, Laura Meijer, not here. I got this bit especially for her. Right, OK. In drama, there are a number of different theories, OK, attached to different people. There's one chap, a Russian, called Stanislavski, OK? And he had this whole thing. It was about naturalism. And his characters were built up, and you, you did all this kind of psychological thing. You went into the character. And if you bumped into an actor who was using this particular method, they would talk to you. They'd be in role for, for days, years, months, most of their life, that kind of thing. And, it, and it, their whole character would, would take over them, and it would lead their, it would dictate their actions, right? And they would almost have no choice because their character, their, the environment, their, what they'd been nurtured with would guide them in a particular way. Um, on, on the other side, there was another chap, a German, called Brecht. And Brecht's, Brecht was a revolutionary, right? And he felt it was important that people knew they had choices. So he did lots of things to take away the mystery of the theatre. He cut the curtain in half. So when they drop the curtain to change the seas, you see all these legs running around. It's hard to take it serious when you see these legs running around. Okay? He, would, he would announce, he'd write what was going to happen in the next scene, so you'd read it. So you weren't trying to work out what's happening. Because if you know what's going to happen beforehand, you critique it. And his whole thing is, I want you to have a choice. Because he wanted us to be revolutionaries and all that kind of stuff. right? And it's interesting comparing those two thoughts. Stanislavski is great to watch, great you know, drama, marvellous stuff. But those people have no choice. They're led by their nature. But Brecht would disagree with that. He says we all have a choice. Some of you may have watched the, um, uh, the TV series or read the book, The Handmaid's Tale. I wouldn't advise it. It's quite gross. I had to read it when I was a student, right? But... Behind it, the theory of that author, Margaret Atwood, is that we all have a choice. She would say, even those people in totalitarian governments have a choice. Even the people in North Korea have a choice of such. Now, we can debate that. But there's all these different degrees that you can have choice. And I think it's really important to realize that we have choice and we have agency in that sense is a term we often hear. If we don't have a plumb line... We can be pushed around with different filters. Here's a couple of filters. Fads. A church fad. Something that's going really well. You look and say, oh, wow, that church, that's growing. That's great. Let's go and get that. Let's go and do what they're doing. I went to, I went to a conference once um, when I was a young youth leader. And, and they were doing some interesting things. It was very exciting. It was the first time I'd heard Delirious. Some of you may remember the band Delirious. It was all cutting edge. In fact, they'd been called cutting edge before they were called Delirious. There you go. Um, so it was all happening. And there were these people with these great big sticks. And they would thump them on the ground. It was a prayer stick. Thump. Oh, they're great prayers. They'd thump, thump that stick. They'd also sweep them around, which would take off the head of a couple of people. But that was the thing, that if you want to pray, you want a prayer stick. I don't know what that was about. It was a distraction. There was a fad. Sometimes we get the warm fuzzies. We feel something. Oh, isn't it good? Let's, let's follow that thing. Let's, let's get that feeling. Let's get that feeling. Let's keep that feeling together. Or we may pursue, hey, we need to pursue the thing which is relevant. 
What's relevant? How can we be uh, hip? Now, in the book, I told you about hippies. So it was written in the 1970s, and they said, if you were real happening church, you had at least a few hippies in your church, right? If you didn't have hippies, you weren't a happening church. Now, you can, you know, we've got some hippies here, but that's not happening anymore. But I don't know what would be... I don't know. Who, you could start to think, who, you need, who do we need to have in our church to show that we're really inclusive and happening? I don't know what it would be. For some of you, it might be, I don't know, people with different political hues, maybe that. We could be happening because we've got all different types in. Think on that. See what you want. Well, how about this? So there's new films come out. Maybe it's got a focus on the occult. Maybe read some books. And everyone's seen Demons Under the Table. Right, we're going to start casting things out of everything. Right, I'm going to cast out a coffee demon out of you. You've got too much coffee in you. I'm going to cast things out. And so we, we get these things. We read, the, we read books. We get affected. We don't weigh and we, don't, we just kind of look through a filter. So that's one, fads, and I think we have to be careful of that. Jerry Cook says, generally, Christian reaction is just that, a reaction. We've not thought things through. We don't have a philosophy. We don't have a plumb line. The other one is traditions. It's the way I've always done it. Or it can be like this. That's who I am. That's who I react. That's a bit of a tradition. Some of you may know the stories about uh, people uh, at Christmas or in America at Thanksgiving taking the legs off the turkey to put on top of the turkey, put it in the oven. And uh, there was a news reporter said, oh, said to this lady who was cooking, why, why are you doing that? She goes, oh, my mother did it. So they went and asked her mother, why did you do that? Oh, my mother did it. Finally, they worked out the reason they took the legs off the turkey is because three generations ago, their oven was too small, so they had to cut it down to shove it in. Now, the cooks amongst you may tell me it's a better way of cooking it anyway, but the point, that's not why they were doing that. They were doing it so they could shove it in. It was a tradition. They did it because they'd always done it that way. And I think that's dangerous. And we can be like that with our behaviours. We can have a particular pattern. God works in a certain way. We come in... We, we sing, we have a talk, we have a time of response. God does stuff. I remember fondly our, our, um, our weekend away, the clear sound weekend away. We'd spent a lot of time on focusing on worship and God moving. And I was kind of comparing leading a meeting. And Mark Baden was leading worship. The thing is, we gave him a roving microphone, which meant he was not tethered. So at one point I went to change the song. He was nowhere to be found. He had drifted off. Now, Tia has this problem all the time, but he drifted off. What was he doing? He was praying for someone who was being healed at that point in the meeting. In the, not at the end of the meeting, in the worship time. He'd broken the tradition. Because he saw, and I'd like to see that, that we're not just, you know, it's not got to be at a certain time, that actually God can move and we can be doing stuff with him at certain points. We don't have a filter of tradition in that sense. Instead, let's look at some plumb lines. Some plumb lines that could be good. There's one wrong plumb line and there's one right plumb line. One is called the church as a field. Now, think of a farmer's field. Everything that happens in the field, Right? Yeah, it, the, the, the people, so the church, the place, the building is the field in itself. So whatever is done by the church is done in the church. It's the place where all, um, all the work of God is done. And yet Jesus said, all the world is the field. So we have to watch this. 
So if you have an emphasis of church as a field, it's important to have a visible place. It's important to have great programs that attract people. You're, it needs to be spectacular, you know. It needs to be really professional, because it's all about the event. Everything goes in. Everything, all the arrows are pointed in. It's all consuming. And, and some of the aims become things like numbers, budget, building. And your, your pastor needs to be a superstar. That's obviously not happening today. <laughs> First generation gets excited, does some things, sees God, does some stuff. Second generation, the building's paid for, they can kind of sit back. Third generation drifts into mediocrity. We don't want to be church as a field. Jerry Cook talks in the Bible where he wanted to form a kind of commune. And he kept on saying, God, give me this community. Give me this community. And finally God said to him, no. And he taught him to pray, God, give me to the community. Give me to the community. Something different. So that's where you start on this journey as church as a field. The church is people equipped to serve, meeting needs everywhere in Jesus' name. The church is people equipped to serve, meeting needs everywhere in Jesus' name. If that becomes a key phrase, it completely changes the way we do church and the way we are. It directs us away from professionals, professionalism, all that kind of thing, and puts the emphasis into the hands of people who, quite frankly, don't know what we're doing. And I think most of us could identify with that. Church as a force, the emphasis on training, worship, and fellowship rather than visibility and organisation and programme and promotion. When we meet on a Sunday morning, that's not the church at work. The church at work is in the boardroom, in the taxis, in the classrooms, in the buses, in the council chambers. It's all over the community. This becomes our R&R time, our time where we recuperate, where we restock up, we get recharged for the real work of the kingdom, which is out there. Each member is equipped to minister. That's the aim. Think about that Ephesians 4 thing, yeah? The role of the pastor is not to do everything, or the leader, but it's to release it and activate people, yeah? Poke the person next to you and say, the role of the leaders is to release the people to do the stuff. Excellent, good. There's two reasons I want you to do that. Firstly, it's an important phrase. And secondly, about 10 of you have fallen asleep. Right, so. It's the, so when we look at the core team, when we look at the leaders, think, oh, are we getting our money's worth out of them? Yeah? Are we getting our money's worth out of Neil? Is he teaching enough? Yeah? No, no, we want him to release teaching within us. Is Fatima, is she going around, is she evangelizing enough people? No, actually, is she encouraging us and sending us out? Yeah? Even the worship team, okay, they, they serve us in worshiping, but actually, is there ways that they can help release our worship into when we're happening in different, time, different places, different times as well? What's the role there? 
We want to be churches of force, not churches of field. Why am I confident that we can be church, church as a force? I'm going to get Jeremy to tell you a story about this. And it's going to show you why I'm confident we can be church as a force. The, the reason he's telling this story, not me, because I'm in the story, and it would be, you know, and he tells it better. He saw things I didn't see. Hello. Right, so um, I worked with Daniel, and a couple of years ago we were doing a piece of work with some academics uh, from Sheffield University, and they were doing a piece of research on uh, human trafficking and modern slavery, and the role of faith groups within that. But they were kind of, they were secular academics, they weren't Christians, they weren't people of faith, um, and it was a kind of secular piece of research. And it kind of, the starting point was a little bit suspicious of faith groups. There was this kind of query around, you know, there's lots of churches involved in uh, human trafficking. Are they really doing this honestly, or are they secretly just trying to kind of exploit vulnerable people and force the gospel on them and get, get them into church? That was kind of sort of behind what they were doing. And um, Daniel and I were, were involved to kind of bring our perspective um, as part of faith action on the role of faith groups and what is their motivation, you know, why are, they, why are they doing what they do. And we'd had quite a few meetings with these academics. We'd had quite a few kind of opportunities to get to know them a little bit. We'd been working with them for quite a long time. Um, and I remember one particular meeting where Daniel and I were sitting there and uh, it was an uh, online meeting, and one of the academics said to us, the trouble is, these faith groups, they just like to share their faith. It's just a problem, isn't it? They just like to share their faith. And Daniel said, um, hmm, let, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. I have a fast, slow cooker. I recently bought a fast, slow cooker. It's amazing. It's revolutionized my life. And Daniel launched into this story about a fast, slow cooker. Um, I'm quite used to Daniel kind of going off on tangents in meetings, so um, we, we have lots of meetings and, and you know, conversations with different people, and I quite like being in meetings with Daniel because I'm quite an internal processor and it sometimes takes me a while to think about, you know, what do I really think about this, what do I want to say? Daniel was never short of something to say in those sorts of settings. <laughs> and it's quite nice because if someone asks a question, um, or there's a kind of awkward silence, he will just jump right in there and fill it and, and tell a story and say something. And usually, by the time he's finished talking, I've worked out what I wanted to say. So we, we, work, we work quite well together in that, in that way. Um, but in this particular instance, I'm listening to him talking about this fast slow cooker, and I'm like, I can't see where he's going with this. I just cannot, I cannot see the link. I just cannot see how he's going to bring this round to something relevant. Um, and the academics were kind of just staring at him with this look of like wonder and confusion and amazement and just on the edge of their seats. And he's just carrying on talking about this fast slow cooker. It's amazing. It, it's fantastic. It's like a slow cooker. You know, you can put your vegetables in in the morning and then just forget about it. And then at lunch, you've got a wonderful soup. It's kind of like a, a pressure cooker. If you haven't got time and you just need to get it, you can get it all done. And it, but it's so much more than a pressure cooker. It's so much more than a slow cooker. It's amazing. It's a fast, slow cooker. There isn't a single culinary challenge in our family that cannot be solved with this machine. It's revolutionized our life. It's revolutionized mealtimes. You really need to get one. And I'm just looking at these academics, and they just have no idea what he's saying. And then Daniel said, 
it's a bit like that, that with faith groups. They've got something good that they want to share. They've got something that's transformed their life, that's revolutionized their life, that's completely changed the way they see the world, the way they think about the world, and it's good, and they want to share it. They can't help but share it, just like my fast slow cooker. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> um, they actually asked me for the link on Amazon. <laughs> they, were, they were a bit bemused to start with, but I, I, I got them into a place. They asked for the link, and I said, did you feel violated that I told you about my fast, slow cooker? And they said, no. And that's the problem, you see. The enemy has changed the nature of our good news and see if it's bad news. But it's good news. It's good news. Yes, for those of you, yeah, it is a multifunctioning cooker. It is actually a pressure cooker. I didn't realize it. I, I just call it, it's, you do stuff with a slow cooker, but it does it in 45 minutes. So you put dodgy meat in it, and not dodgy off, but you know, the and you put stuff in it, and, and in 45 minutes, it does what a slow cooker does. See, I know you're excited. It may be the only thing you can't take home from here, and that's why I didn't put a link on there. <laughs> a fast, slow cooker. We have got a fast, slow cooker. There were parts of our worship today that, that I, 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 felt that, I felt that igniting again. But you may not have felt it, and that's fine. But we have got some good news. Yeah? Christ... In us, the hope. Yeah? That, that is in us. And that's why we can be sent out as church as a force. Because we can make a difference. Because we've got that difference with us. Let me, just put an, let me just put another side of things in. I've got my, all my slides are in the wrong order. No? No? There we go. Right. One of the lyrics from Keith Green is he says, You prefer the light of your TV. Um... What does Jesus say about light? He says, I'm the light. Yeah? But we get distracted by our culture. I think that's what really what that, that represents. You know, with being involved, um, with doing the fusion stuff at the moment, different things, I find that we, we can get into excusing ourselves from a worldly basis. Yeah? So, I've, you know, and we can excuse our children rather than be straight with stuff. So I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I was doing some decorating yesterday. I asked one of my children to help move some furniture. They started to query the whole basis of my decoration. Why did I need it done? It was fine. Why are you doing this? The answer, your mother wants it, was not sufficient, but it was for me, <laughs> right? What was he really saying? He, the, the, the child. <laughs> he wasn't saying, he wasn't querying the whole philosophical background of redecorating. He was saying, I'm sat on my backside and I don't want to move. How many times do we take our selfishness, or quite frankly, people, our sin, and we justify it in other ways? Let's be honest with one another. I'm sinful, you're sinful, our kids are sinful, and we need to change, and we need to be convicted, and we need to stop giving excuses. 
and receive the conviction of Christ. Because you know what? If I recognize it's sin, I can change. If I say that this is my identity, this is the way I am, I can't change. But if I say, I am sinful, I confess that sin, I want to repent and turn and go the other way, then God can help us and help us out of it. But if I say, this is the way I am, there's nothing I can do, then you're stuck there. Yes? Sorry. Listen. I had an hour less sleep last night. So did you. So we're on the same thing. <laughs> I, I just long... I, listen, I need, I need you to do it for me. <laughs> the thing is, a lot of you do do it for me. But, you know, I need you to say to me, Daniel, is that really the reason? Or are you just being a selfish little swine? Yeah? Someone said to me a number of years ago, the problem with you is you're unapproachable. And I said, and by your words, you prove yourself wrong. (laughs) Some of you may be irritated by what I said there. I hope so. (laughs) That's the bit I wanted you to be irritated from. Often you find other things irritating, and I really didn't plan it that way. We've got good news. We've got good news. It's a totally different way of thinking. It can't be meshed with the world's way of thinking. You can't mix oil and water. It's a different way of being. Yes, I want to see people healed. I want to see illnesses overcome. I want all those changes, all those things that get in the way. I want those things. But I also want us to let God convict us, let the Holy Spirit convict us and let us change in those ways. I've been encouraged hearing about some of the people who are new amongst us and met with God. And when you meet with someone who is in the fullness of their first love, it's a great thing. And the Bible encourages us to find our first love, to find our excitement about the gospel. I want us to again find the confidence. Yeah, the world may not like it, it may be foolishness to them, but our confidence about it as well. Yeah? Our confidence about our, our slow cooker. Because it's not bad, it's good. And I want us to become a force. Not a field, not about program, not about professionalising, but going out and making a difference. What we're doing with Fusion, with the young people particularly, is we want to be equipping them to do the stuff. Quite frankly, and I say this to them as well, for those involved in Fusion, I ain't going to do it all. I I ain't got the energy anymore. If you guys want an event, if you guys want something, let God bubble it up within you and then you do it and we'll release you and make it happen. Yeah? Because we're not going to do it. We're not going to professionalize it. We don't believe in a professional priesthood. We believe in the priesthood of all believers in that sense. So I'd like us to take a time of response. It'd be interesting what Nick thinks we're going to respond to. But the three things I've got in my mind is, first, a renew of the first love, a confidence in our good news, and becoming a force. Those are the things. But Nick might have something else, and I'll leave him to take us. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. 
We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.